Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The New Statesman. Hi, I'm Anoush. I'm Zoe. I'm Freddie. Welcome to the New Statesman podcast. This is an episode we like to call You Ask Us. In the studio, we have Zoe Grunewald, our political reporter, and Freddie Hayward, our political correspondent, who've been digging around in your questions to see what you're asking us this week. Um, Zoe, I think you've got the first one. We've actually had two questions, one from a listener called Stephen and one from a YouTube commenter called at Stephen25UK. So I don't know whether they're the same person, but what are they asking about? So they're both asking us us if there's any chance that Keir Starmer could introduce voter reform. Um, So I think this is a really interesting question and I think one that we're going to hear a lot more of um, over the coming months because... Obviously, we know that there has been a long-standing campaign from various parts of the political spectrum for PR um, or for some voter reform to make it a bit more kind of inclusive of other political parties and, you know, push it maybe a bit further towards the left or the centre. Starmer has basically said that uh, voter reform isn't a priority for him. Um, He has flirted with a little bit of, I guess, voter reform, which is votes for 16 and talking about votes for 16 and 17-year-olds and um, possibly votes for EU citizens as well. But PR seems very far from his list of priorities at the minute. What could obviously change that is if, and you know, we're seeing at the minute that Labour is heading for victory at a general election. So what could change that is how big their majority is, or indeed if they have to do a deal with somebody like the Lib Dems, who obviously are in favour of voter reform. And we know um, when they were in the coalition, they managed to get a vote on AV, which wasn't quite the sort of PR system they wanted. So although Starmer at the minute has basically ruled out any kind of change to or pivot to PR in the future, um, I think we're going to see kind of increasing pressure from the Lib Dems and also increasing pressure from some within his party who want to see a wider array of political opinions. Yeah, because it is a big internal conflict in the Labour Party, isn't it? I remember last year at Labour conference, it was kind of the underlying row of the conference, but because it was such an upbeat conference, it didn't really come out in the same way that previous rows have done during very bitter Labour conferences previously. Um, But, you know, you have the Labour membership, the Labour delegates voting overwhelmingly in favour of reforming the voting system. And you also have now a majority of Labour-linked unions backing it. So you've Osdor, I think, fairly recently, Unite, Unison, they're all behind it. This is the first time we've had that being the case as well. So there is actually quite a lot of pressure on the leadership. And I wonder if we could see some kind of situation where there's just some very vague wording in the manifesto that hints at 
a future of sort of constitutional tinkering that could include mm. voter reform if maybe at some point in the future in order to accommodate those coalition demands that they might have from the Lib Dems if they have to end up working with them? Yeah, potentially they could definitely sort of hedge their bets in that respect. I don't think it's def- uh, I don't think it's going to be a priority for Keir Starmer. And yes, you were you're right. It was sort of the key debate at conference, but it was very low level, uh, and they didn't get much attention from the Labour leadership. And when they did look at it, they basically shut it down straight away. I don't think Keir Starmer or his office have shown any hesitance in ignoring the membership, ignoring the unions, and being quite ruthless in uh, what they think they need to do to win the election. After the election, that's a really interesting question, I think. Do they try and introduce it then? I'm not so sure because, first of all, if they do win, they might jeopardise their uh, re-election if there is a new voting system. Potentially, I think Zoe's right, maybe they look at other other things, other reforms that they can do that's not necessarily about the electoral system. PR would be, or proportional representation would be a big change, a big step to take, uh, getting that through the House of Commons, the debate about whether they need a referendum or not, uh, getting support from the Conservatives, speaking to devolved administrations. All these things mean that they'd have to devote a lot of time to it in their first term when they've got so many other priorities. So I I'm very sceptical about them ever doing so. Whether they look at other things uh, is another question. I think the votes for 16 and 17-year-olds and for potential EU citizens is really interesting because that's a way they could consolidate a much bigger voter base. You know, you bring in young people, they're probably going to vote more towards the left, more towards Labour, and obviously EU citizens as well. I mean, that could give them a real a real big boost in areas like London where you have like a larger proportion of um, EU citizens. So I think they're quite interesting and they also could possibly possibly satiate a little bit of that demand for reform from the left and from those groups at things like conference where they have a slightly sort of younger pool of Labour members, but they want a bit of reform. But, you know, I think Freddie's right. And I think, you know, there are certainly members on the left who still see PR as a priority. And whatever majority Starmer gets, or if indeed he does get a majority, there is he's going to be dependent on support from the left of his party. So he may well have to make some concessions. But I agree, I don't see it happening anytime time soon. I mean, you know, once you get power, you don't want to give it away, do you? That's the, that's kind of the main thing, that's I think. The thing. It's interesting because electoral reform campaigners, who generally, you know, tend to be from the sort of progressive side of things, though you do have some conservative voices who are keen on this mm. kind of thing. Um, but they kind of are hoping privately for Labour to win, but only just, mm. um, so that they do have to make that negotiation with the Lib Dems. Because if they win a big landslide, like you say, there's absolutely no incentive to go and change the voting system that got you there with that big win in the first place. So I can see why it's not a priority for them to talk about it. Also, you, it's interesting because you've seen these articles, I think we've spoken about it before, coming up in the mail and stuff, talking about the Labour stitch-up. So anything that can, you know, put people off the idea that Labour are making pacts with other parties or trying to stitch up the system so that they can they can win unfairly, they have to try and shut that down. So it's definitely sort of the right tactical call for them to, to ignore a lot of this chatter. Yeah, I think so. And we also saw that with the expulsion or the uh, the beginning of the process to expel Neil Lawson yeah. na- uh, last week, I think it was, because he's been flirting with ideas of PR and cross-party collaboration. So we should uh, explain who Neil Lawson is. Yeah, so he's uh, the, the director of the think tank Compass, which is a left-wing think tank but also uh, tries to promote uh, cooperation between progressive parties he basically tweeted or retweeted a uh, a Lib Dem MP or a Green 
MP, I think it was one of them, and who was talking about cross-party alliances and that he's going through the process of uh, expulsion at the moment. So that was seen within the party, I think, as a demonstration of the leadership's um, discontent with those who are expressing these ideas of progressive alliances, tactical voting, PR, these things all sort of fall under the same idea of trying to advance a progressive alliance uh, because, as we know, progressive parties get more votes than the right do in successive elections. So it's trying to consolidate that and, and make sure that yeah, that's reflected in who the government is. Yeah, And that was seen as a, quite a harsh move, but it's essentially, you know, a crackdown on any of this chatter because they don't want to be so. painted in that way by their by their enemies. OK, well, let's move on to the next question after the break. Freddie, can you give us a clue on what it's about? Yes, we're going to Manchester. <laughs> If you're subscribed to The New Statesman, you can get all our episodes ad-free on The New Statesman app. You can get it on both iOS and Android. Just search for New Statesman on the App Store or Google Play Store. We'll be back after this. If you enjoy The New Statesman podcast, then you'll love our daily politics newsletter, Morning Call. It's a quick, essential guide to the big political story each morning by me, Freddie Hayward and Rachel Wearmouth, featuring original reporting from Westminster and beyond, our analysis of the latest political news and some recommendations of the best reads of the day. Sign up for free at the link in the podcast description. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Freddie, what's your question? Okay, we have a question here from Derek. Will Andy Burnham ever be prime minister? <laughs> it's a perennial question of politics. Yeah, it really is. I do I like this one question. Andy has been asking himself as yeah. well throughout his career. Are you sure it was from Derek, this question? Yes, no, yeah. <laughs> so Andy Burnham, he's been mayor of Greater Manchester yeah. since 2017. He's running for a third term, he said, next year. But nevertheless, in every interview he does, he's asked mm. whether or not he'd like to be a future Labour leader because he's run twice before for Labour leader. So it's a fair question. And he always gives a bit of a hint, doesn't he? He never quite yeah. shuts it down. Um, and actually, you know, having done our own polling of both um, Labour supporters and just general Britain, the British public. Andy Burnham comes up so much. So he's got really high name recognition, mm. first of all. He's very popular as a potential future Labour leader, so much so that we had to just not put his name in lists of Labour MPs that we were giving the, the giving Labour voters as who they'd like to be leader, because obviously he's mayor, so he can't be the leader of the party in mm. Westminster at the moment. Um, because if we left him in, we knew he'd get chosen. <laughs> and I actually looked this up yesterday, who is the most popular politician in the country um, on YouGov because they do these quarterly updates. And he is the second most popular politician in the country behind Jeremy Corbyn. Corbyn. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, you can see why he's maintaining some yeah, of Yeah, just on that name recognition, he, he's got similar uh, name recognition to Yvette Cooper, Angela Rayner, these sort of the, the names that he, he, people associate him with or a similar number of people know him. And then he's below Jeremy Corbyn, Sadiq Khan, 
uh, Keir Starmer, which, which we'd expect, but it's much more than many other members of the Shadow Cabinet, which is very interesting. Yeah. I yeah. mean, he does have that national profile, which comes with actually having power, being in office. Um, his profile rose dramatically during the pandemic when he chastised the government quite publicly. I think it was on the steps of the town hall in Manchester for uh, imposing, I think it was tier four or tier three, I can't remember, yeah. without sufficient funding to back that up. So having said that, the speculation around his future leadership has declined massively, I would say, in recent months. Same with Sadiq Khan. Both of them have been slightly less antagonistic towards the leadership and vice versa. I think, in part, that's a reflection of Keir Starmer's security. He's doing much better in the polls than he was. It looks likely that he'll be the next prime minister. Uh, so the question of someone coming in, definitely before the next election, but even in the first term, is off the table at the moment. Uh, whether that changes going forward, I think it's really interesting. I, I think it's also interesting, and I know there's some frustration within the mayoralties and elsewhere, that the National Party and the, the Westminster bubble of Labour don't celebrate those people no. who are in power. Um, Andy Burnham, Welsh Labour, Sadiq Khan... They're actually implementing policies. You know, Andy Burnham's uh, launched the B network in in Manchester, which has brought uh, buses back into public um, control, which is the only place outside of London to do so. Yeah. And that's something to celebrate. You'd think you think the National Party would go, look, this is what we do in this power, is our model, yeah. exactly. And now we're going to do it um, for the whole country. And you don't really see that. I think that's just part of the competitiveness and. Yeah. Also, insecurity of the the uh, the leader's office that they don't really want to point to these yeah. other power bases around the country. Yeah, and now they're equivocating over ULEZ as well because mm. they've got this yeah. election by election coming up in Uxbridge and South Rysett, which we spoke about on the last episode. But that's you know a little bit of a snub to Sadiq Khan, whose policy it is, and he wants yeah. to bring it in in the summer. Um, what do you think, Zoe? It's interesting as we say Burnham's been around for a long time one of the things that makes me just kind of feel like no he won't is because he's had two shots already and mm. it just it feels like the more shots you have the more cursed you become you know that you're just <laughs> yeah. you're just not going to get it I mean obviously there's plenty to say that that might not happen but you know I think there is sometimes a feeling of you've had your chance it's not worked and now we we move on I also think a lot of people in the party think the next Labour leader should be a woman therefore if you're asking who's going to be the next Prime Minister you have to think about who's likely to be the next Labour leader and yeah, I think yeah. uh, there's a push from the inside for for a woman I can't personally see it happening in kind of the, the next decade or so but you know he's still a fairly young man and anything can happen in politics I mean we say a week's a long time in politics I mean what's 10 years yeah. you know a lifetime so never say never and I, I you know I think he's done a lot for the party and as you say he's very popular um, I think it would it would represent a shift in, in the Labour Party um, obviously famously him and Starmer don't get on that well and Starmer is I don't want to say a disciplinarian but he keeps quite good control of the party and you would think maybe there won't be as much profile building from Burnham with Starmer is kind of, you know, prime minister. But I mean, who knows? We'll see. Starmer can't stay around for forever. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And actually, it is interesting because whenever Burnham used to make an intervention when Labour was sort of um, in there in the doldrums, it used to make big news. Mm. Yeah. But some of the things he's been saying lately, even opposing the ousting of, or, or the um, blocking of Jamie Driscoll running yeah. for for the Tyneside mayor, that he, he's been saying things, but it hasn't been sort of catching the news media attention as much you know I think he wanted to abolish the whip system at some point yeah. um, PR again as we were talking about on the first half of the podcast he, yeah. he's, he's in favour of that doesn't tend to sort of set the world on fire as much as his interventions used to so I guess profile building will be a bit tougher for him while Labour is on the up and even 
while Labour is in government. Sure. I think that's right. But I also think it's a consequence of him just intervening less often. Mm -hmm. So when he did uh, announce his rewiring Britain reforms yeah. with the uh, with PR and else and other other ideas that did get a lot of coverage and people did take note. Um, it's just that he's not come out with anything that substantial since the rewiring Britain. And he does still speak about that and has fed into, you know, the Brown Report um, and how Labour thinks about devolution. And it also means he's quite popular with the membership because, mm -hmm. as we said, as you said, Anishin, at the start, um, the membership are very keen on PR and they see Burnham as a, a leading light on that front. But, mm -hmm. yeah, he's just he's just been much quieter, I think. It does kind of go back to what we were saying in the previous discussion about um, voter reform, which is that at the minute, I think Labour's just very much focused on winning. So there's a lot of public shows of unity and not a lot mm. of kind of speaking yeah. out against things. But once, you know, Starmer does become prime minister, if he does, you might start to see more of those dissenting voices speaking up a little bit more. And certainly people thinking about whether they'll run to be the next Labour leader. So, yeah, we might see a bit of silence at the minute and then a bit more noise in, in a year or two. Who knows? Thanks to everyone who submitted questions. We do read them all, so please keep them coming in. If you'd like to send us a question, you can go to newstatesman.com forward slash you ask us. Or if you're watching on YouTube, you can just leave a comment under the video. If you like the New Statesman podcast, please vote for us in the listeners choice category in the British Podcast Awards. You can vote now at britishpodcastawards.com forward slash voting anytime until the 5th of September. Just type in the New Statesman podcast and it will come up. You've been listening to the New Statesman podcast with me, Anusha Kellyan, and my colleagues, Zoe Grunewald and Freddie Hayward. We'll be back on Monday with an exclusive interview with Keir Starmer. Follow us on your podcast app to make sure you get new episodes as soon as they're released. You can also watch video from this podcast on our YouTube channel. Just search YouTube for The New Statesman. We're produced by Chris Stone. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.